there's no question that their post-breach res response has been pretty um, less than stellar. <laughs> so you're, being, you're showing empathy for the victim. I like that. Welcome to the Risk and Repeat podcast, episode number 74. I'm Rob Wright, editor of Search Security, and I am here with my site editor, Peter Lotion. Peter, welcome. Hi, Rob. I am back in the office. We're recording this on a Friday, September 29th. I'm back in the office after being away for a few days in, um, in Austin, Texas, for the ISC Squared Security Congress, which I'd never been to before. Uh, very good show. A lot of interesting people. A lot of, a lot of people from different industries practicing InfoSec in different ways, different backgrounds, different career paths, different education backgrounds, different certification levels. It was actually, uh, this is a whole other con uh, conversation that we'll probably get into down the road, maybe in next week's episode or and certainly in future uh, articles. But just sort of the, I guess the evolution of the cybersecurity workforce. And, you know, we always talk about the workforce shortage the skills shortage, how many open jobs there are in InfoSec. And it was, it was fascinating to be there and to talk to a number of different people, young, old, uh, uh, again, different education backgrounds, different career paths that, are all, that were all in InfoSec and all sort of part of, of the IS, ISC squared picture. What I wanted to talk about today, though, was it pertains to the keynote that kicked off the event because I thought it was really interesting and it was worth discussing, especially here on the podcast, because we do a lot, I think, of criticizing, would you say? We do a lot of analyzing and I would say, dare I say, calling out of different companies, different vendors over sort of the repeated mistakes and errors and sort of head slapping, face palming, like how in the world did this happen type of, of incidents and mistakes and attacks, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, that's part, part of, I mean, is it not, is not part of the core sort of, I mean, the title is risk and repeat. We see the same things over and over again. That is true. And you're not wrong on that. We do our fair share of calling out. Yeah, and pointing fingers, and I mean, we're not cybersecurity professionals ourselves. No, but you, but you certainly have a deeper background in the technical side of this, having written books. Peter Lotion, published published author. You are. Don't don't be shy. TCPIP uh, clearly explained. Yeah, I don't know how clearly it was, but uh, jokes aside, yeah. I I mean, I only I'm a journalist. I only write about this stuff. I don't practice it and sometimes I do sort of you know when you take a step back you, you think to yourself am I am I going am I out of line here am I going too far am I really understanding this I mean you do you have to understand a fair amount of how this stuff works and, and what's being done and rely on on the word and, and sort of perspective of other experts in the field in order to criticize different companies, different vendors, different people, when they do fall victim to a hack and are exposed in a data breach. So this, 
this keynote was really, really, uh, it was it was one of the better keynotes I've, I've actually, um, I've heard in, in sort of recent memory on the InfoSec side. It was Don Fries. He's the Deputy Assistant Director of the FBI, so pretty high up in the FBI. He is, I believe, the former head of the Bureau's National Cyber Investigative Joint Task Force. That's a mouthful, and I won't even try to spell out the acronym there. But So he has a background, not just in, obviously, law enforcement. He's a longtime veteran of the FBI, but he comes from sort of the cyber side, too. So he knows a thing or two about hacking and cybersecurity. And the thrust of his keynote was about risk management. And it seemed like... You know, I say that, and it might sound boring, and I know I, I was talking with you and other folks uh, over Slack about why I thought that keynote was really good, and he made a lot of good points, and it, the way I probably described it didn't make it very alluring or, or interesting, but he did an excellent job talking about why risk management was so important, and the way he put it all together and the way he expressed it was just it was you know pitch perfect i thought i mean his ultimate point was basically talking about how you don't have enough resources you don't have enough bandwidth you don't have enough knowledge you don't have it's cybersecurity is hard so what you really need to do is sit down and do a risk management plan and constantly assess where your biggest risks are and what you need to be protecting and devote your resources there and, and you just can't worry about anything and everything. Uh, and that sounds so obvious, again, saying it out loud, but the way that he discussed this, and this this keynote may end up being on YouTube. I know uh, ISC Squared, uh, you know, they record some of their sessions and keynotes and they put, put them up later on uh, for public viewing. Uh, hopefully this is up there at some point in the near future or distant future, however. You, you wrote... Uh, yeah, news piece for yeah. Wrote a, wrote a news piece, sort of summarizing what he talked about. Again, I I don't feel, and again, I, this makes it sound like I'm trashing my own writing. I didn't feel like it really captured how good his his whole presentation was, and it, I, I it's hard to that do that. I I I got the I got the impression that it, that I wished I was sitting in that keynote room with you. Well, I appreciate that. You're you're very generous, but yeah, it was it was tough to without sort of transcribing the entire thing or, or putting video up. He he sat down with uh, Brendan Dunlap, who is senior manager of security risk and compliance at Amazon, and they just had a dialogue about you know Brendan would ask him questions about what he was seeing and what he was doing and threats and this and that, and and you know trends and he 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 said, look, I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of investigations, talked with a lot of companies, and one thing is always the same. For the companies that do this really well, cybersecurity really, really well, they are constantly assessing their risk. They have a solid risk management plan. They're constantly evaluating it, updating it, and assessing new potential risks, and that's how they know, because you can't do everything. That's how they know what to concentrate on. So uh, that was an, a, a really good keynote. But there's a part of the keynote that was not included in that news story that's going to be in a, a, a sort of another piece I'm working on that I wanted to bring up in this discussion, and that was about he talked very openly about about the need for humility and empathy for hacking victims, and a lot of people have said this 
and we'll, we'll go into this in a little bit, but this came up at Black Hat. This came up during Alex Damos' keynote, um, CSO of Facebook. He got up on stage, talked for a very long time, and one of the things he said was the InfoSec industry as a whole, not everyone, but as a whole, we, we lack empathy for the victim. And Fries talked about the same thing, and he put it in very sort of uh, serious terms. He, he talked about what he called an unhealthy sense of superiority and people sort of thinking that they're, they're better than the people that are being affected by these hacks. And he said, quote, you've got to be willing to humble yourself a bit to really understand what's going on with the victim. You know, he said, you need humility. If you're just out there sort of blaming the victim all the time, you're going to miss things. You're, you're, you're not going to fully understand what's going on. And this is, this was a really interesting part. Quote, he said, Quote, the FBI was rightfully criticized in the last decade for victimizing people twice in cyber. We certainly don't do this when there's a violent crime, when somebody is involved in a terrorist incident or something like that. We don't rush in and blame the victim, but we do it and we have done it in cybersecurity, he said. And he said it's absolutely getting better, but he said it, it's this whole culture kind of needs to stop, not just for the, the FBI, which investigates these things, but the whole culture and I wanted to kind of talk about that because it's hard I mean look at what we've seen Peter recently with Equifax and now Deloitte and the SEC SEC and I mean Deloitte and SEC haven't even gotten that much coverage because we're still our minds are still blown by Equifax's breach yeah but don't you think so so on sort of like I just big picture criticism of hacking victims. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't feel like, I and mean, we talked about this in a previous episode, I don't feel like a lot of the criticism is coming down. There were some, but I don't feel like a lot of the criticism of Equifax was coming down about them being hacked. A lot of people were out there saying, you can't expect an enterprise to just drop everything and you know within two months update uh, an open source framework that runs their web apps you know, legacy web apps, it's hard to do. You need to understand that. So that message was definitely out there. I feel like most of the criticism at Equifax was about sort of the post-breach response and how it was well, I, I think I, There's no question that their post-breach res response has been pretty um, less than stellar. <laughs> so you're, being, you're showing empathy for the victim. I like that. Well, but there... There's there's a couple of things here. There's there's some organizations where there is an expectation that well let's see let's let's forget about cyber for a second. Mm. If you walked into a bank and you walked and there was no bulletproof glass in front of the tellers and there and there was nobody visible in the bank, no guard, uh, the door to the back was open. Um, you'd probably blame the branch manager for not putting in security measures yeah. to protect from people walking into the bank and just taking money and out just of the drawers. Just, just taking some money out of the drawers. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. I mean, not everybody would do that, but there would be enough people that would be willing to do that. Yeah, that it would be a bad look. And you, and you could say, well, let's not blame the poor bank manager. I mean, certainly... You can't blame the tellers. They're sure. doing their job. You would, leave, you would leave blame on whoever forgot to lock the doors or or 
or whatever, or, whatever yeah. the circumstances. I mean, there, there's a, there's a base level of security that you expect from different organizations. I expect my banks to be more secure sure. than my grocery store or the local uh, uh, convenience store. I don't expect the same, you know, the same protections from those organizations as I do from a bank or a or a credit union or a brokerage. Now, let's go let's go back to cyber. If a brokerage firm or a government agency tasked with protecting yep. financial information is leaving their doors open, letting the the, the, the the security guards go home early on a Friday afternoon because it's nice out and forgetting to put up the bulletproof glass and locking the door to the back room, to the vaults, then you, you can't say that the victim there is the are the people who who didn't do their job right necessarily because they're not doing best practices there. Yeah. Um, same goes for, I mean, we, uh, retailers who got hit by breaches earlier in this decade, uh, I'm thinking uh, Target, for example, or REI got, uh, I seem to recall getting a, a notification from REI once yep. about uh, credit monitoring. Uh, any of these places, uh, you know, any retailer who's buying services from a vendor and who's trying to keep up and has very narrow margins, you, yeah, I think victim blaming those folks is a little bit uh, wrong compared to victim blaming a company that's making a 30% um, profit margin instead yeah. of a 3% profit margin. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that, that the, the Equifax profit margin is pretty high. I thought I heard 30%-ish or so, but the bottom line is that I looked at some of the financials, and we talked about it, I guess, last week or so. Um, a $60 million fine that would that could have been levied if GDPR were, were in effect, in effect yeah. uh, would not really be that big a deal to Equifax. That's amazing. Based on, and it blew my mind when I figured it out, and people were tweeting that, oh yeah, they would have been fined sixty million dollars, sixty million dollars, right? Not B, but yeah. M. And well, that's a lot of money to me and you, yeah. to to a company that's doing four billion in in revenues over the course of a year, that's three incredible. billion in in revenues over the course of a year. It's not not really that much yeah. if their profit margin is in the tens of percents rather than the ones of right, percents. Right. So, um, so yeah, I'm not sure that they're actually victims in that case because the, the, the company over a prolonged period of time, despite having these things in the headline every, well, I, I, yeah. you know, every no, day, every week, but major, major breaches. And if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they're still making money hand over fist, but they're just not spending it on the on the the bulletproof glass and the guards right. that are there twenty four seven. Then I'm not gonna feel bad about victim blaming those people. Yeah, those organizations. It, it, it's interesting because if they didn't, if 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 a company like Equifax didn't do anything wrong, then you wouldn't see executives stepping down or, or people demanding that executive step down and quote unquote retire. At the same time, I thought about this. You know, other credit bureaus were attacked, I think it was 2015. Um, 
Experian. Experian was was breached, although not to the scale that, that of this attack. And there was a new report that came out uh, just recently from Bloomberg News that said, you know, signs point to this being a nation state attack. Okay, yes, nation state attack, serious stuff. Uh, we don't really know, like we don't have a, an inside view of just how much progress this company may have made with their security posture over the last few years. We don't know how many attacks they may have repelled. We don't know how many improvements they may have made to their infrastructure. We, we don't. We don't really know. And that, that should be, I think, when you're sort of assessing, and it's impossible to do this, but when you're trying to make a true assessment of just how bad the situation is there, I think that needs to be taken into account. I think you need to think about like the big overall security posture and not just the fact that that they didn't patch a web app with Apache struts in time. So I'm, I'm not giving them a pass, but I am thinking about Freeze's message about victim shaming. And you can be critical without shaming. Like you can be critical without sort of, you know, I hate the word like Twitter lynch mob because I, I don't, I don't, I, look, it's Twitter. It's not a real lynch mob and it's not, I, I just don't like that term. But, you know, there is a fine line between criticism and, and, and like really shaming and really going out of your way to day after day, just sort of pouring it on and, and, and slamming and, and trying to humiliate whether it was the, the CISO, I mean, that, that happened to a certain degree, right? They, people were harping on the fact that the CISO, she didn't have, she had a music degree. I mean, lots of people, especially folks that, that came before, you know, the, 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 the plethora of computer science options, computer science studies that you have now over the last, you know, 20 or 25 years, it's different. I don't know. So... Well, e even now, there's there's still there's a lot of people that find their way into information security and information technology, the long way. They don't they didn't study computers in, in college, in large part because because the things that they teach you in computer science, in college and grad school, aren't necessarily relevant to yeah. to being in information technology and yeah. information security. You've got different skills that are that you learn on the job and and I think there's there's a you know I, don't get me wrong I'm not saying that the people that work in information security at um, at Equifax or any any of these other places that we talked about I'm not suggesting that those people are bad or they should no no no, different. no no yeah I think that the that the decisions that are made at a higher level I mean the people that are not implementing it but are just making the decisions and saying yeah. oh hey we can save a lot of money if we, we don't if we use Apache struts exactly, yeah. instead of buying buying a, a product where we have uh, where we have more control or yeah. we have better a better ability to respond to a security issue. I mean, yes, we all know that it it, ta it could take more than a week or a month or yeah. even three months to patch a, a complicated uh, a vulnerability in a piece of software. Now, if I knew that, and I am the CSO or the CISO or the CFO or even the you know, whoever in the executive suite, if I am aware that these things are tricky and cost a lot to patch and it's going to cause downtime, then I would suggest to my 
subordinates that maybe we should consider doing something differently. Cloud. <laughs> Cloud. <laughs> but no, that's well. Well, that's kind of a but that's kind of a buzzword solution. No, Same I know. Blockchain. I know, but, but it's a, it, it is a great point because as I was thinking about this, reading that Bloomberg story, I was I said, you know, eleven days. How much did that cost them? But at the same time, if you made a practice of doing that every time a legacy web app or legacy app in general, legacy system needed to be patched, you dropped everything, you shut it down, you're down for two weeks, how much would that impact your long-term reputation as a company, your customer satisfaction, customer satisfaction, user satisfaction, I guess, because we're not customers of Equifax, but how much would that over time and that's something that has to be taken into account, too. So, I don't absolutely. Know. But it, but so this this goes back to what uh, what Fries was saying about risk. It's like, what are the risks? Yeah, that should have been at the, the top of the priority. I mean, that yeah. that should have been made. And I don't. Again, we don't know that it wasn't. There hasn't been a lot of information from in, in a lot of these big stories, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, or whatever, saying. Oh, they tried. This was on a priority list. They were moving toward it, and they just didn't get there in time. And I expected if that was the case that somebody probably would have got the message out. But again, we're not we're not in there, so we don't know. Um, I wanted to. Oh, go oh, ahead. Yeah, I had just one one closing thought. Sort of, uh, it might be kind of a big one, but let me see if I can summarize. Um, so companies like Equifax, Deloitte, these are companies that are. That position themselves as being experts at cyber, um, they're offering ser services for information security yeah. for other companies that are yeah. doing audits yep. and they're doing services, handling vital data. They're providing they're providing guidance and consulting to other companies and, and organizations. Um, the SEC as well. Like I'm just taking the three latest big yeah. ones. There's so the, many to choose from. Well, but but these three are three organizations that I would have expected to do a better job because of the, the gravity of the data that they work with. Now, quickly pivoting to a different, to what seems to be a different topic, what are the five companies that you would say you trust the most with data? Jeez, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. So, I mean, well, let, okay, because I know we've talked about it, but um, the ones that come to my mind first are uh, Google, Facebook, yeah. Microsoft, Apple, and Amazon. And what, what do those companies have in common? They're all really successful. <laughs> They're really big. Well, well, they also spend a lot, you know, yes, those oh, they, are true. Right. They spend a lot on security, but also, uh, other, th other than Microsoft, they're not really selling, well, Apple arguably is a software company. Yeah. But they sell software in a walled garden. Yeah. Um, the other companies are selling services they're selling something as a service and even microsoft is moving towards selling their software as a service they're doing the you know hot hot updates and 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 they're they've invested over the last uh i want to say 10 or 15 years since since bill gates came out and said yeah. we're now going to make windows secure they've i I've they have i have to give them a credit they've done a really great job um but they're all they're they're selling services rather than software products or or products in general. They're yeah. these they're centralizing the so the code, and they're also to some to more or less extent they're involved in the cloud, right? Yeah, I mean, that's th a good point. So, 
it may be that it's easier to provide security under those circumstances as opposed to providing services. But on the other hand, now that I think about it, Equifax was not selling software. They're selling a service. They just didn't do as good a job on it. They didn't make it priority for them. No, they didn't. I, I mean, that's a, that is a great point. Uh, I, I have a question for you, a closing thought. Sure. You, you kind of touched on this, and I thought about it during the event, the ISC Squared Security Congress. I asked a few people about this. It will probably be in a future article. But do you think – well, let me actually read this part of Alex Stamos's keynote because I think it goes to what I'm talking about. So he spoke at Black Hat again, uh, Facebook CSO. He said, quote, as a community, we tend to punish people who implement imperfect solutions in an imperfect world. As an industry, we have a real problem with empathy. We have a real inability to put ourselves in the shoes of the people we are trying to protect. It's really dangerous for us to do this because it makes it very easy for us to shift the responsibility for building trustworthy, dependable systems off of ourselves and onto other people, end quote. I thought that was really important to say. And I wonder, is it possible that this, like the victim blaming and shaming and just sort of the general negativity, you hear about these breaches all the time. Is this one of the, re one of the reasons we have an issue with filling jobs in this industry? Because like you said, we're not blaming the Equifax people. We don't know what they did or didn't do. I mean, this has sort of fallen on upper management. But if you're an Equifax security manager or professional, you're some network admin in that company, and you've known about these things, and, and, and you've warned, and they happened, and now the company has been smeared, and that's on your resume, and you're like, man, this is, this is going to stick with me, the stench of what, what happened here. People are going to ask about it. Do I really want to be in this field? Do I really want to be blamed for a breach that I really had no, no serious control over? And, and what about the people thinking about going into this field? Do they want to be in a headline? Do they want to be called out? Like CISO is one of the ultimate career tracks for something like this. And like people are going in and out of these jobs left and right. So do you think that that has an effect? Well, okay, having, having worked in IT uh, f for a pretty long time since they called it MIS, oh, uh, it, it's not a great field. You don't get a lot of, uh, you know, n th there's, no, there's not that many rock star opportunities for IT and information security. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are s information security is hot. Um, I think it's a, a great, uh, if you're starting out your career, it's a great place to start. I think there's other I things that are that are preventing people from starting in information security that are that are more uh, worrisome. Um, yeah. The companies there, there's a lot of and this is with IT as well these days. A lot of uh, lowballing on salaries. Right. A lot yeah. Of, a lot of companies don't like the idea of of paying what it's worth to get somebody who's skilled. Saw saw somebody tweeted out um, this week. Uh, job uh, solicitations for a part-time CISO, 20 hours a week, $90 an hour. Uh, and I'm guessing there's yeah. no benefits along with that. So we're talking about a, com a, a company, it was a, a hospital, I think, a medical center. They were looking to hire somebody for uh, what's 90 times 20, 180, or 1,800 times 50. You're the tech guy. 
Yeah, so we're talking about like 90000 a year that they want to pay for a CISO. And paying $90 an hour when, when uh, pen testers are, are – companies that are providing pen testers are charging 250 an hour for consulting as a pen tester seems like that's they're not going to get or they will maybe they will get their money's worth which yeah. is not as much as they expect um and this uh, you know people have been trying to lowball it people for decades yeah um, journalists can relate by the way we can yes <laughs> but um and, and another factor that i wanted to point out is that there's uh, you know there's there's no academy for there's no academic world for bringing people into the into the working world with the skills they need. Yeah. Um, and there's also at the same time that the education is failing, the education system is failing. The yeah. companies, the companies themselves are failing to stand up and say, "Look, we'll hire smart people out of college yeah. with whatever degrees, but they just have to show some aptitude for the skills that we need, and we'll hire them, train them, treat them nice." Give them careers. That's yeah. how it used to happen. Nowadays, nobody wants to do that because they're afraid of losing their investment. Yeah. And the only reason they're going to lose their investment is that is if they don't treat their people that they're bringing up themselves. If they don't treat them right, yeah, they're going to lose them. So, but if they treat them right, then they don't have to worry about it. They yeah. don't have to worry about retention as much. They don't have to worry about skills. They don't have to worry about development. They only have to worry about ending up as a headline. <laughs> right. They do. Yeah, but, but maybe 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 you and I can go into pen testing. I've I've thought about it. <laughs> I think it would be pretty cool. I'm just not sure if I have the skills or the aptitudes, and um, you know, and basically everything that is required. <laughs> yeah, all the rest of it. <laughs> well, but it, it's but something it to think like about. A, yeah, it yeah. sounds like a fun job for a future career. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we should wrap up there. Uh, fascinating conversation. There's a lot of moving parts to this, and I'm glad I got a chance to sort of talk about it with you, and hopefully we'll get some feedback on uh, on this topic and topics from readers and listeners. And, uh, yeah, thanks for talking with me in oh, Chernobyl once again. Always great to be here. Thank you, Peter. And thank you to the readers and listeners of Search Security. I'm Rob Wright, and we will see you next time.